It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. And just like Maverick and Goose, he is on the highway to the danger zone. It's Murray. Yo. So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Well, this week on the podcast, it's the start of SIF. Yay! Cool. We do a quick and dirty charity promo. We talk about the one film we saw in theaters, one special SIF preview screening film. We talk about SIF. We just say SIF like lots of times. Uh, some streaming choices that we viewed, Open Rage, Merman Minute, The List, Rage or Dare. Then we get ready to power through as many SIF films as we can get and as little sleep as possible. Hey, Jim. Yes. What's SIF? SIF is the Calgary International Film Festival. SIF oh. Calgary, for those of you who are not aware... And I'm talking to you, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta, because you can all partake in this amazing event. Cool. But, but first, I got to do a promo because we are going to be in a all the horror podcast event for all of October. There's going to be multiple, multiple podcasters. Every day, there should be two podcasts talking about horror for the entire month of October. So check out all the horror 18 on Instagram and Twitter and check out Scares That Care, which is the scaresthatcare.org, which is the charity that we will be supporting with this podcast. So please check it out and listen in October for lots of great horror podcasts. Cool. Well, what did we see in theaters last week? Well, as you mentioned, we saw one movie in theaters last week. And that movie's name was The Nest. 2020 effort from writer-director Sean Durkin. Uh, this is the second effort as a director from Sean Durkin. His first film, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, was a tremendous first effort. It was Mondo, to be sure. And now with his second effort, he proves that that was no fluke. The Nest tells the story of an entrepreneur and his family as he constantly tries to live beyond his means. I can honestly say I did not like any of the characters in this movie. I found myself not rooting for any of them. Jude Law's Rory was unlikable, to say the least. Carrie Coon's Allison came across as aloof and perhaps a little oblivious. The kids were both spoiled and annoying, yet I could not stop watching any of them. <laughs> I was completely caught up in Rory's constant chase of the life he feels he deserves the emotional destruction he causes his family, and the financial ruin that compounds with every purchase he makes made me almost giddy. The fact that everything that came out of his mouth was a total lie made me sim simultaneously roll my eyes and grin from ear to ear. Why was I en enjoying his failure so much? What kind of person does this make me? Who cares? All I know is that I enjoyed this movie tremendously. I can guarantee this will be on my best of the year list. The Nest was Mondo. The Nest was Mondo. Period piece, hey? Sure was. And this one, 
I don't care what you say, had to take place then. Okay, well, let me just say what I'm going to say before you get all antsy in your pantsy. Yeah, I feel like I need to defend things no, before you, don't, you, even, you even start to talk. You need to shut the hell up and just right, sit I'm back and I'm enjoy the ride. Ears. All right, that's a first. Uh, well, let's get this out of the way right off. I agree. This movie had to be in this era for it to work. Or at least in an era similar to the timeline as most of the issues with the family dynamics, which makes up the better part of this movie, would be gone if everyone had a cell phone. So cell yes, phone. without them, their lack of communication is explained by this period piece. Glad I got that finally off my chest. <laughs> Second, I have already seen the best marriage story this year. Last year. And it was called Marriage Story. Last year. I think we saw it this year, didn't we? No, because it was on our best of the year for last year. Was it? But did we see it last year or did we see it this year? We saw it last year. Okay, well, That's I saw it. it was in our best of I 2019. Saw I saw it again this year because I liked it so much. All right. <laughs> I've also seen the best marriage story ever made. So, And it's called Marriage Story. And it's not called The Nest. Jude Law was amazing, as always, in every movie that he's in. The acting from everybody was great. The story, in my opinion, took a little longer to get where I wanted it to for me to absolutely love this movie. What? From the beginning to the end, it had a very good progression for the film, but it took me a while before I got really into it. It started to a little slow, and I found the dialogue not as powerful and engaging as I was hoping for. The personalities of the characters seemed a little stifled, and really did not open up until they crossed the pond. So in my opinion, the first part in, in the US side before they got to the UK wasn't as strong a part of the film. I found it was just kind of floundering for me. Uh, so upon discovery, no. it was a period piece and a slow build. I had my biases already heightened. This film had a gradual breaking down my biases as the story eventually developed to where I was fully enjoying this film. I did for the most part of the film find it predictable, but some not so annoying because of it, even though it was predictable, I, I, di I wasn't hating that so much. It, I didn't end up really liking this film. I did think the ending was great, even though it was a hopeful ending. Favorite line, go get into your bed and play with yourself. Good line. It was a great line. Good advice. Yeah, too. she tells her like eleven. Her eleven-year-old brother. brother that super awesome gets a Jude Law Superman crush horse murdering high meh. Couldn't get to Mondo, buddy. What? Sorry. Nope, couldn't do it. You're just wrong in this case. Mm, I don't think so. Let's hear what Murray has to say. Murray, you were sitting with me seeing this movie. Murray, please tell us your thoughts on the nest. Was I there? I don't remember. Did you fall asleep a couple times? I, I didn't. I, I thought about it a few times. <laughs> uh, this film was slow. Yeah. I do not like slow. <laughs> is it? Wait, is this going to get a rage? Are I'm we going to get the first trifecta of the year? Not a big fan of Jude Law. Oh. According to Sean Penn, he's a very talented actor, but I have yet to see it because I don't like him in anything. Well, he was not likable in this movie. For yeah, sure. no, I absolutely he did not like him at all. That is actually kind of the sign did of a good actor. Like yes. him at all. 
Okay, but did this make you rage? Because this could actually make me super excited. Yeah. If this movie made you rage, I gave it a meh, and Bruce gave... Bruce? Who's Bruce? <laughs> no, you forgot my name earlier. <laughs> I just remembered your name. Oh, it's because I'm looking at Mr. Potato. Mr. Potato is Bruce. Bryce gave it a Mondo. Then that would be the first trifecta I think we've ever had. Amanda, with the guarantee that this will be on my top 10 for the year. Well, and this might be a rage for Murray that might be on his worst movie so, of the year. Start Come on, I, Murray. I didn't like. It was too slow. It was almost a two-hour Sounds movie. Like a rage. And the first hour and a half, to me, just went nowhere. <laughs> Please tell me. It, so it just got worse and worse. I please got more and more depressed. Please what tell are me you it was talking rage. about? Murray, um, please tell me it was on such, such a I, hopeful note. No, it did not end up in a hopeful. Murray, please tell me it was rage. I like happy endings. That was not a happy ending. I'm sorry. It was say. a happy ending for Bryce. He looks yeah, like maybe. he had a major joygasm after the yeah, movie. Yeah, well, the only thing that prevented it from being a rage No, don't say it. was Carrie Coon was awesome. Carrie Coon was, she was awesome. awesome. She had a good performance. So I you're hate, saying... I hated the kids and hated... Uh, yeah, Chiba, so that's the point. Everybody it, hates everybody it, it in this movie. That was what they were no. going for. Okay, so you're not giving I it a rage. I also hated I, them all. I am not giving it a rage. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. I'm giving it a very low meh. Uh, that's saddening. This was one of the best movies of the year. Okay, so can you... No, it wasn't. But yeah, so can, it was. Can we just talk a little bit about the horse? Okay. I mean, we don't want to obviously spoil it, but they did a pretty good job burying it. How did it get to... Did it climb its way out of the out of its dead hole? Were you not watching know. the movie? Yes, I was. It just got unearthed. Did you not see how desperate Jude Law was? Yeah. Did you not hear him discuss the fact that maybe they should dig it no, up? No, no, I got that. You okay. think he went and dug it up? I think that he, he thought that... But they that, didn't... They yeah, didn't. They, did, they don't have to show everything, Jim. No, I know. They don't have to connect every dot for you. Sometimes no, you gotta I got use it. No, I, I guarantee that, that was he was so desperate for money, he needed to find he out... He figured he was going to go dig up horse, the horse. What, that he could sue somebody about this. Yeah, Because yeah, he yeah. brought that up. Yeah, I know. I got that. And that's why. Yeah, he didn't do a very good job of digging no, it up. No, he really didn't. No, he did a great job of digging it up. He didn't do a good job of burying it again. <laughs> <laughs> You're confused. Yeah, well, that wasn't very clear. So I didn't I didn't think How that was part that was not clear? It wasn't that clear. What, did you think the horse just dug his way out? I had no clue. I, I thought, oh, okay. is there like earthquakes oh, that happen there? There's, there's the other problem I had with this thing. Thank you for reminding me. There you go. The, I knew. The description of the movie led me to believe there was something supernatural happening with that freaking mansion they were living at. I was waiting for, super, for supernatural crap to start happening, and it didn't. Thank yeah. God. That would have wrecked it. Like, it basically... It basically it says, no, it wouldn't have. It says, says that their, their life takes a twisted turn. To yeah, me, I thought that was some kind of supernatural this is, crap. This, no, this is great. You know what this is? The supernatural part was how the horse got out of... No. Sure. Uh, yes, and that's what I'm going to believe no, from now on. The horse was supernatural. And it found its way out of the I hole. I was misled is the problem. You guys are a couple Because of they, they just put a random scene in there, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes complete that, sense. How is that, that random? Oh, it's ra- it's kind of random because it's... Oh, my it's, God. Were you not watching the I same movie? I was completely movie? watching the same movie. I'm not wrecking anything for anybody, but that... <laughs> no. They you, didn't spell that out because they literally, after that part, that horse never came up. Other than she said that the horse died, which was already before that. But after that, nothing happened with it. So it's like this event it happens. It was right at the end of the movie. It was almost at the end of the movie. The only thing that happened afterwards was the scene in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. No. No, no. They, yeah, went, yeah. they went out. They went out. They looked at the where the horse was. And the very next scene, oh, they right. in the kitchen. Oh, right. She came back. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Anyway, this is all tied together. Yeah, but he was never there the whole time. When did he have time to go dig up the horse? He's working all the time. This movie didn't take place over two days, Jim. I don't know. This movie took. Oh my God. How, okay, so if it You're didn't take if it didn't take it over a couple of days, how did they live on the two thousand dollars that she gave him? Did you not notice that they were talking about the the, the stuff she that was happening, and then a few weeks later passed, and then another couple of weeks? This did it? How are they living? They didn't have any money. They didn't make any sales. Yeah, no, they had they had they didn't have they had some money going in. They had her money. They brought it up. She brought it up of like a, money. a month into it. Yep. That. He's only got so so much money in the account. Bucks, yeah. Remember that he said that he had paid all the rent in yep. advance. Yeah, I got all that. Okay, I don't know what we're talking about. So if it went for months, how did they live? Because he did. had six hundred dollars in the bank. I'm not saying it was like six or eight months. I'm saying that this took place over at least a couple of months. I don't, I think the part where we're talking about happened over a couple of days. Anyway, ultimately, it wasn't a trifecta. Even though there was a horse. It was a trifecta for me. It was a trifecta of, of awesomeness. Great acting, great director, absolute superior script. And it had some supernatural things and with the had, horse coming it, back it to life. No supernatural. With this I horse coming waiting. back to life. This was super mondo, one of the best movies of the year. And sure I do not agree. But it was really good. I like the soundtrack. That's about it. The soundtrack was good. All right. Well, let's. That was. Uh, this is getting off to a great start. I love it when these things happen. I'm already so, pissed off. I know. I love it. This is going to be such a great episode, people. There's going to be so much rage going on. Embrace war. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Threw up a little bit in his mouth. Uh, do I know how to push buttons or do I push <laughs> buttons? Okay. We got the honor to get to see Jasmine Road. Yeah. An advanced screening for Sith. Yes. And it's a local Calgary shot film. So we are very super pumped about it. The director, writer, Warren, and I'm going to butcher his name, but I apologize, Solatki? Solatki. Solatki. That's good. Uh, Caitlin Spoonheimer. Sponheimer. Sponheimer. There you go. Jill Marie Robinson. You Ryan Northcott. Ma- Maria. You missed Maria, the Maria, I missed the eight. <laughs> what are, can you just say all the names from now on? I'm you got Ryan Northcott. Congratulations. Right. I almost, Yay. I probably did something wrong there. Give me, give me my applause, Murray. Thank you. That was awesome. All right. So this story, the story was very good. I love the development of these characters and the story it was telling. It's still a very typical, or sorry, should I say, Topical film, maybe not typical. It's topical. Definitely topical. Yeah, and gets much love for all the great cinematic shots of Alberta landscape and cityscape for that matter, which we don't get to see very often in very many movies. We don't get to see our beautiful city. Well, we do, but it's as other cities. Yeah, it's pretending it's this somewhere else. This was actually else. supposed to be Calgary. It was actually supposed to be Calgary. So that was awesome. I love watching homegrown films. I love to know that Canadians are making films, and I like to see that. Uh, I have to admit... This film had me crying quite a bit through the movie. The film uh, is a great effort to bring to light now what is still happening everywhere around the world for the Syrian people. I do find it interesting, though, that I think we probably could have used this movie more about three years ago. I think it might have had a bigger impact with everything else that's going on. So I'm not saying that it's not impactful. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is when we really needed to showcase the humanity for the Syrian people, I think we needed it about three or four years ago when they were having a little bit more 
problems as they were coming through. But there's obviously they're still having it's it still now. Fine now yeah. No, I know, I know. But I kind of wish I would have seen this three or four years ago. Fair enough. Uh, I also did find it was a little predictable, and some parts were convenient, quote unquote, as I like to say, to bring the film a little forward at certain points in the film. I also think. Uh, it did not always shine a good light on rural Alberta. It kind of pigeonholed some of the people there as being a certain way. And I don't know if you picked up a little bit on it. Oh, I yeah. mean, I've spent some time in rural Alberta and it, it didn't paint the picture that there was anybody. It's pretty, that, pretty broad strokes. Yeah, there. it was pretty yeah. broad strokes. Now I get it. I kind of get it why they did that. Cause they kind of just had to bring a, a point across about it, but I found it was a little bit overdone in this case. That being said, I understand every everything why they kind of had pos positioned it that way because it had to bring that part of the story forward. Uh, I understand that also racism happens everywhere. You can't avoid it. All in all, I like this film. I didn't love it, but I think people should see it because it is powerful about what's happening with um, the Syrian people today. Uh, it was it. We got to see some things that are probably actually happening in Calgary. Like these locations are probably things that's actually happening as they come come to our city. Uh, I, I think it also gives a a good peek into um, the grief and understanding that we are all one human race. Gets a local Alberta high man. And I want to now get some Syrian ice cream. <laughs> All right. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to look for it. Oh, I'm sure it's there somewhere. <laughs> Just Google it. Yeah. All right. Uh, parts of this I liked a lot. Uh, important stories to tell for sure. Uh, the interaction between Heba, Heba and Mac was good. I enjoyed the scenes between the old cowboy and the young Syrian. They were the heart of this movie. At times, I felt the story could have been a little more focused. The inclusion of the uncle seemed unnecessary, and this story could have been told in another movie. Yeah. It was like almost too much. Like, did yeah. we really need the gay uncle too? Yeah, that's kind of why I was thinking the it was convenient to push the story forward yeah. sometimes. So, as I say, that would have made a great movie on its own. I'm not sure it needed to be a focus of this movie. It kind of took away from the, the true story. Yeah. Which was I, you know, I felt this needed to focus on the relationship between Mac and Heba, and her mom Layla. Overall, the experience of Heba and Layla felt genuine, and I cared for these characters. Yeah. The film put a spotlight on on what a refugee family goes through. Uh, the fact they got to you know leave their families behind. Yeah. I mean, it, it did all that. Um, the struggles of coming to a new place with nothing and trying to start over. The support they get from some and the misguided discontent that they get from others. This was a decent effort and a, and really worth a look. But overall, it was a meh. Yeah. Agreed. Mer, did you end up seeing it or no? No, I didn't know you were seeing no. it. You didn't mention it to me. but Well, it gets in our email. So if you read that, you'd know. Yeah, but that's read, okay. Who reads emails? There you go. That's that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Damn emails. Always getting Damn in the way, don't emails. they, buddy? You know, emails. Emails, what's that? Exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to talk now about the CIF. What's the CIF again? CIF is the Calgary International Film Fest, which oh, yeah. can be found 
at calgaryfilm.ca. C-A? I don't believe that's right. Ah, uh, we'll just double check it. Murray's got I his believe, fingers on the pulse of was, everything. Sifcalgary.ca. Yeah, right? yeah. The old site was Calgary. Yeah. Calgary. I mean, if you, here's the thing, a great thing about social media too. If you go on Twitter, if you go on Instagram, if you go on Facebook, just search Sif Calgary and it'll every, it'll pop up. So, everybody in Alberta, I'm going to say it again: Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, check it out because they're starting to stream this week. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about where you can find uh, Film Rage at when we are oot and a boot. So for our, our U.S. listeners, unfortunately, you may not get to access some of these because I think they're geo-blocked to those three provinces. But it doesn't mean, because we're going to be talking about these films, these films will be playing in other um other festivals probably across U.S. The that bigger, you'll be able to access. A lot will get picked up and get main re- yeah. Yeah. releases. The bigger so, ones will get distributed. So you should still be listening to us because we're going to tell you the straight goods. All right. So our schedule for this coming week, September th- uh, 24th, Thursday, we're seeing The Human Factor. Um, Thursday, this September 4th, we're also going to see My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. We're going to see... This is all in theater. In theater. These are the ones we're going to be in theater. So if you're looking at SIF's schedule and you want to say, hey, I want to meet those Film Rage guys because they seem like douchebags and maybe I'll say hi to them. Punch (laughs) Punch one of them in the face. Kick ass and punch dicks with them. Uh, Yeah, that'd be where we're at. Um, Friday, September 25th, we're going to be seeing Me and Me. Friday, September 25th, we're seeing Jumbo. Saturday, September 26th, we're seeing Whirly Bird. Then we're also seeing The Father. Then we're seeing Possessor all on Saturday. Brandon Cronenberg. I can't get yes, his name out. We're all, we're all excited about that. Monday the 28th, we're seeing My Punch Drunk Boxer. We're seeing Tuesday, we're seeing Wander. Wednesday, we're seeing The Woman Who Ran. Saturday, October 3rd, we're seeing Assassins, which I am very much looking forward to. And then Saturday, October 3rd as well, we're seeing The Truffle Hunters, which Bryce is very excited about. I am very excited about that one. All right. Pass the baton. Uh, So I'm actually, I don't know why I'm even talking about this, because everybody should have listened to this already. But if you missed our Sith preview edition with Colby from Movie Epidemic, shame on you. But here is a brief overview of some of the things we are looking forward to at this year's festivities. There was quite a bit of commonality in our selections when we were talking about these movies. Three out of four of us were looking forward to Falling, which is a directorial debut from Viggo Mortensen. Sweet. The new effort from Brandon Cronenberg, Possessor, made its way onto two of our lists, as well as Assassins, which is about the murder of King John Un's half-brother. Other most anticipated picks included U.S. Kids from Jim, Eat Wheaties from Murray, Jumbo from Movie Epidemic host Colby, and Babenko, Tell Me When I Die from yours truly. Looks like a pretty stacked lineup at the festival this year, with a little something for everyone. Uh, For more selections for this year's festival, click on episode 46, the Calgary International Film Festival Preview Edition. Uh, We talked for about, what, 15 minutes or so about what we're looking forward to? 100 minutes. It's worth a listen. It is worth a listen. Um, I just want to add to what you're saying, too. So, Murray, who's... um who's been looking at all the schedules the last little while has said that a lot of these things are selling out. So all the theater ones are almost all sold out, right, Mer? A lot of them. Yeah. So if you have not picked up your tickets for the in theaters and you want to see them do that right away. And, and Bryce, you were saying earlier today that 
even the online ones might have limited amount of people that can see it. Yeah, is, that, is that true? There's like, I think there's two or three or four screenings or uh, movies that actually have a, a online limit, which it sounds insane, but apparently that's a thing. Um, so yeah, um, most of the movies, once you purchase it, you can actually watch for the duration of the film festival. It's, right. not, it's not like the Toronto International Film Festival. You had like a day yeah. and then it was gone. Yeah. Um, there's a few of them apparently where they do have a like a 48 hour block, but I, I'm pretty sure that's all you know uh, upfront about it. And you, and you know, but a lot of them, you know what? If you want to watch it, get it, and then you got the whole week to watch it. Yeah. Good point. All right, Mur, what you got, baby? Tell us some Sif stuff. Well, um, as you may or may not know, I used to be a volunteer. You uh, are a volunteer. Well, yes and no. I am a screener. Oh, just yes. I'm, I'm yeah, a, it's, I'm no, a it's previewer just yes. now. Yeah, there you I'm go. I'm no longer on the front lines. Oh. Uh, which is where I enjoyed You're being. not an essential worker is what you're saying. Yes, I'm a non-essential worker right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for 12 years, I did pretty much everything with SIF. Uh, that's where Jim and I met. We were both uh, team leaders. We led the volunteers. It was lots of fun. Lots of late night screenings, it was awesome, and then I uh, kind of took a step back a couple of years ago, and I've been a previewer for the last few years. It's obviously not the same thing because you're at home by yourself watching movies, yeah. and as you know, uh, it's a thankless st- job. Streaming is not my thing at all. Yeah, so you, so, so not my thing. I'm glad you're talking about this because that is the unsung heroes of this festival. Uh, I mean, the yeah, volunteers are. So important to every festival. And, and due to cutbacks in some of the staff this year, uh, my movie output uh, doubled. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I actually saw 106 films. This year. 106? That's just one category. Wow. And out of that, like, four got picked. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's hard because there's a lot of stuff that isn't very good, and you have to get through it all anyway. But I enjoyed doing it. It's just... It was a lot of. It's a time. lot of work. And so, so yeah. But I'm not going to be volunteering for this year's festival. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. Last year, I actually worked for them. I got to work in the projection booth. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but they didn't really have that option this year, so I'll just be going to movies. Yeah, uh, that's great. You can enjoy anyway. it, and you don't have to watch them all at home. No, but so, a lot of them I will be. But a song is coming to mind here. That bet my mind. little buddy Bet Midler once sang. Oh, God. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Yeah, okay. Something, something. Bryce, come you're, on. You're everything I, I wish I could be. You are the wind beneath our wings. Crap. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Bad Midler. <laughs> she makes me cry. I wish we knew the words better. Yeah, whatever. You know what she doesn't do though. How she, much do we how much she, do we listen to Bad Midler? She doesn't make you dance. No. Oh no, she don't. Streaming. Motherfucking streaming. We've been just streaming. And Bryce, we did what? Streaming. Murray, did you stream some stuff? Other than Sif on the weekend, Murray, did you do some streaming? No streaming. I just love to dance. Well, we got to stream The Babysitter, Killer Queen, 
on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Two years after Cole survived a satanic blood cult, he's living another nightmare. High school. Oh, high school. Scary stuff, kids. 3D house of stewardesses. And the demons from his past still making his life hell. And this is directed by McGee again. I'm not going to go into all the credits because I'll do a bad job pronouncing them. But suffice to say, they're probably not in order in IMDb anyway. Other than I think Judah Lewis was maybe the guy who is the star. So it was, it, it uh, go on to IMDb and, and check out. Well, maybe you don't want to after you hear this review. So, what the fuck, McGee? Remember when I said sequels suck? Well, COVID is not the only thing that sucks this year. First, no, the first babysitter was a super mondo. It was good. So much surprising, comedic, gory fun. This was just another blatant ripoff of the original that did not need to be made. Wasn't that bad. None of it made any sense. Least of all, the fact that Cole's little girlfriend from the first movie becomes bad. What? That doesn't. That didn't even make sense. This. This is their twist. Come on, really? There's a couple twists. No. Well, if you call them twists, it was like there was like. I'm pulling a Bryce here. I'm giving it the raspberry. Really? And then basically it was like the very first movie again, but with a new girlfriend and the comedic lines were just as just whitewashed versions of the first movie and having the parents in it. Like, yeah, we needed to see his dad more. He's a great actor. And, and he's kind of funny. They added no value and was not funny. Uh. I did love every single re-murder though. Mm-hmm. I'm not calling them murders. They're re-murders. That was actually pretty fun. That part, McG, and maybe the G stands for God awful, no. gets it right. He does know how to kill people, but fuck me up the goat ass. Write an original idea. This story had no clever surprises, not one, no cute writing skills at all, which the first movie had so many, like the original. It was just regurgitated drivel from the first movie brought to life. What... Did you not just leave this great movie as a standalone? Now the babysitter will never feel like a dirty little secret to me. Now and now, high school teenage panty sniffing dirty, just used to and nasty. It's no longer going to be great. This also is spawning a trilogy. Can you believe this? Oh, good. Yes. It's supposed to be a trilogy. It gets a blood-soaked, not original sequel, annoying high rage, as I do like teenage killing movies, but I could not give it a mad because sequels are not original ideas. They make me rage. And everything about this, including the ending, was awful. Like this destroy the awful type, destroy the franchise type awful. Oh, and one more thing. Not even one favorite line. Not one. Not one oh, favorite line in the entire movie. Oh, well. And it made me cry a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a that was a lot you had to say. I about hated that. it. Yeah. I hated everything about this movie. I think you're disappointed. I was very disappointed. I was also disappointed. It was a disappointing sequel, but you know, it was still a little bit of fun. 
It just, I did say I like murder. Just, That's fun. It just didn't compare to the original. The director, McGee, definitely injects energy into this, just like he did in the first one. He has a definite style, and it's not afraid to do some different things with camera angles and graphics and fun stuff. Um, it definitely works in this particular movie. There are some laughs, some gore, basically all I was looking for, but the ending left me a little cold and just the overall impression of this one did not measure up to expectations. I obviously didn't hate it as much as you, but this was a disappointing meh. You're being generous. Yeah. You're being very generous. There's not one original idea in this whole movie. Not one. They even had to bring back all the people from the original cast that they killed. It's like, hey, wait, I got an idea. Let's just yeah. bring them back. It was dumb. It was kind of fun. It was terrible. It wasn't the worst. I like seeing people murdered that I hate, and these all the characters that I hated all died, so that was there good. Go. All right, so we also saw Radioactive, uh, starring Rosamund Pike as um, uh, Marie Curie. Uh, this was a biopic about Marie Curie. Does not, uh, and in my opinion, that doesn't seem like a great idea. <laughs> I just, I'm like, really? We're, really? We wanted to see this? We're making a movie about Marie Curie? Uh, yeah, she is an amazing lady whose Nobel Prize winning research changed the world we live in. Yes, she was a pioneer and a genius. But really? A movie about her? <laughs> Uh, a movie about her life doesn't seem like an overly entertaining venture. However, I was entertained a little mildly. Uh, Rosamund Pike carries the film as Marie Curie. Her performance was solid. The script introduced me to Mar Marie Curie like I had not been before because I've never really seen any dramatization about her before. Uh, the script was also solid. Everything was solid here. It was a professionally made movie. <laughs> well, you're reaching, buddy. You're totally. <laughs> it was holy, in focus. Holy and, uh, reaching. It was obviously made with people that were being paid. Okay, listeners, open your dictionaries <laughs> and look up the word reaching. And there's a picture uh, of Bryce trying to review radioactive. So, so here's the thing. I liked it more than I thought I might. Okay. But that still makes it a solid yep. math. Okay. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is this movie a love story or a discovery of radioactivity? Yes. Apparently, even angry, unapproachable people can find love and science. Wow. It gives me hope. Yeah. No Talk about unapproachable. Apparently, <laughs> if they said it once, they must have said it five times. And I quote, we discovered radioactivity. Interesting fact that on NobelPrize.org, it says this. The discovery of radioactivity by Henri Becquerel in 1896 inspired the Curry's Curie's Curry's, I don't know, Curry's or Curie's, uh, in their brilliant research and analysis, which led to the isolation of polonium. But then later in a speech, she makes she she get gives the credit, finally gives the credit to Henri. She they basically talk for the first part of the movie is we discovered radioactivity. We discovered radioactivity. I'm like, did they kind of drop the ball in the writing here? Like you can't run around saying you invented radioactivity when you didn't. It was actually somebody else. And then you change that story later on. It, it was confusing to me. 
So, I'm not sure who discovered what in this movie they made. I like the background, backward and forward and time aspect of the film. I like the nuclear explosion and the melting mannequin scene. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I loved how science looked like pouring beakers from one beaker to another beaker. Whenever you saw them doing science, it was like, oh, look, I'm holding a beaker and I'm going to pour it into another beaker. Science. Yeah, there's a lot of beakers. That was so. That, that way we knew they were in the lab. Beaker tastic. Otherwise maybe? they might have been in a kitchen. Okay, we so know. is it beaker tastic or beakerific? It can be either. Okay. They're actually synonymous. So I'm also not a fan of how they rushed things. Like after her husband dies, how long was it that she waited before she hooked up with someone else? This was not the Marie Mary Curry that I wanted to see uh, in the first part of this movie. It seemed like it was trying to rush too many things into the movie and not enough focused on her brilliance. There was a scandal that she she actually had during her, her life, for sure, and they really did not get across her true brilliance, I, I think, strength and character for the entire movie. Biopics, for the most part, are normally painful at the best of times. If they capture the essence of what I feel the real person is, I can... I can actually forgive them. Um, so I was kind of ta- torn because at times I felt it did and at other times it didn't. I yeah. did enjoy it the longer the film progressed. I, I felt that they kind of, she found her sea legs for lack of a better word. And I did feel uh, Rosalind Pike did a fantastic job, but she could not get me to a mondo on this. This gets a biopic, could have been much better. In fact, I wish I would have seen a better documentary about it instead film that instead of the one that I watched, meh. There we go. We agree. I love Curry or Curie. And the favorite line is, I find it easy to observe when I'm not talking. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, and that was kind of the turn on for that's, that's her good, husband. That's good advice for you, by the yeah, way, Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> okay. That's probably why I liked it so much. Anyway. Yeah. Solid, solid meh. Solid meh. Coming up now, I want to see a documentary. Can someone make a documentary about her that I could actually enjoy? That'd be good, nice. All right, so we also saw Ravage. Ravage, video on demand. Which is a L-W-K-A-A-P-D. I don't know what that means. Ladies who kick ass and punch dicks. Oh, yeah. Uh, music killer. Second intro with credits was also killer. Not a fan of prequels that go back and tell a story, so I started to get real worried. The sound was very cool, though. The sound was very cool. Bruce Dern was super cool. As usual, Annabelle Dexter Jones did a good job playing a great LWKAAPD. Uh-huh. But the suspense waned and slowed down. I liked uh, that there was not a ton of dialogue, actually. I liked th- that fact about this movie. And that they made her out to be smart, competent woman. For a while. Which is almost the prequel for an LWKAAPD uh, this normally would it should have started at an eleven. Through the film, though, it started to drain from that fantastic eleven as we continued to move forward. Eventually, we already know that she ends up in the hospital. So uh, we also knew a bunch of stuff as it starts to go back. So I was kind of annoyed with that, especially when they brought in the cop. They're like. Is he a good guy or bad? No, it's not a, no question that he's a bad guy. We already knew that. He, how else did you think they found out that you were at the, the police station? 
Uh, she, she was so smart. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Her brain just stopped working. The whole cop thing just annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Plus, the bad guy, and I know we disagree here, the bad guy was just annoying and not creepy at I all. Liked him. I I just... I fucking hated the actor and I felt nothing for him. Like he didn't make me angry. I'm just like, whatever. If he kills her, I don't care. Cause he's kind of annoying. He's good. Gets a please. No sequel. Meh. <laughs> All right. I don't know why I found that so funny. <laughs> All right. There, there was a lot of good stuff going on here. Unfortunately, a lot of it was already revealed in the trailer. <laughs> yes. Uh, the reverse fishing scene was awesome. Yes. Some of the kills in this were well thought out also and executed. Awesome. Uh, really, there was a lot of entertaining stuff here. Bruce Dern was amazing as usual. However, For the one minute he was... Well, not exactly. However, we needed a lot more of Bruce Dern. Our hero was played by Annabelle Dexter-Jones, who was very good in this role. But her character was inconsistent, as you kind of mentioned. Uh, you know, the writing was good for the most part, but the inconsistency of our protagonist. Mmm. She goes from smart to dumb. Really quick. With no conceivable reason. And this had an ending that I was not thrilled with. Um, <laughs> this all makes this a blood and bile soaked meh. Okay. It. I love how you threw the word bile in there just to keep people guessing. When are they going to see this bile when oh, they see this movie? There will be bile. There will be bile. They should make a movie about that. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. It's always my intention to not have my rage go on too long. But I don't know why... I'd it just like once I get on a roll with raging about something, it just seems to go on forever. Well, tell, today's tell me about it exactly right. So today I'm going to rage about people not supporting our cinemas, but they still go everywhere else. As an example, I went to the Science Center recently, and they have uh, one of those dome theaters in in the thing. So I figured, you know. What's the most move people we've seen in a movie theater since we started going back to movies? Was it 12? Is that the number we can? No, no. We went to one movie that had 30. Which one was that? That was... Um, yum, 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 the was it the Globe? Was it Tenet? No, that was the... Oh, was it Tenet? No, it was the ca ca the Canada Alberta one at the uh, Canyon Meadows. There were 30 people in the oh, theater. Oh, yeah, live. It was crazy. Alive. Yeah, right? alive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that was, that was great. But... Why is it that we have that I go to the science center and it's almost full? Like I'm like, what the hell, people? All the people with their kids. Like I guess they figure. I guess we can go back to school and nobody wears masks and cares about kids running around passing COVID back and forth, like the baseball in the in the playground. But but yeah, we can't get people to go and support Tenet. To get it to, it still hasn't. I don't. I checked the other day, and it still hasn't made its money back yet. Yeah, well. And 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 yet, we get all these kids coming to the science center, plus restaurants, plus bars. Like the UK had to had to actually re-implement other shutdown measures because idiots are overpacking the bars. Yet we still can't get people in the theaters. What the hell? The only good thing about my rage this week is Murray has given me hope with him telling me that a lot of the stuff 
in theaters at SIF is sold out. So this is a really positive sign. And maybe it's just film lovers that have been going and we've been waiting for this festival for a long time. Also, I think drive-ins were doing well because people were able to separate. But come on, people. Get back in the theaters. It's safe. They have a lot of great measures. Dr. Bogosh is on a couple of commercials for, <laughs> for Cineplex that he's telling us it's safe to go if you do the right things. Just do the right things. A, wear a guy. mask, Dr. wash your Bogosh. hands. I know, right? I want him to be my doctor. I wish, except for he's an infectious, infectious disease specialist. That's so, all right. So just you can get a couple of infectious still, diseases. Go still, visit him in Toronto. He'll poke around. That's fine. Yeah, I'd let him poke around You know, if he had to find stuff for sure. Dr. Bogosh is awesome. Well, that's it for me for this week. All right. Does that okay? Did that does that make you too rage? There's not enough people in the theaters. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I wish that people were supporting the cinema a little more than they are. But you know, the, as you say, uh, at least uh, they they seem to be supporting SIF. This uh, is the turning point, maybe. Uh, well, we'll maybe. see. We turning point. See. Sounds like a TV show. Ooh. What does that music mean? I think it means it's time for my rage. And my rage is. Jim hating the nest. Or, sorry. <laughs> you did not. Number one, you didn't hate the nest. That's true. I did. I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. You gave it a man. Sorry, Bryce. Okay, so, go on. T- <laughs> Funny you talk about the nest, though, Jim. Today we reviewed The Nest, which is written and directed by Sean Durkin. This was the second effort from this talented dude. His first effort was back in 2011 when he made the absolutely mondo Martha Marcy May Marlene. Did you hear this already? That... <laughs> Is two movies in nine years. <laughs> oh, that is not. I enough see where for this me. is going. A point arrives. Yeah. My rage this week is talented directors taking on a ridiculously light work rate. Jonathan Glazer has directed three movies. <laughs> His first movie was in the year 2000. His first movie was Sexy Beast, starring Ben Kingsley, which was a super mondo. Yes, it was. Then we got 2004's Birth, starring Nicole Kidman, which was also a super mondo. Yes, it was. Then we got 2013's Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson, which was also a super mondo. And that is the last time we got anything from Mr. Glazer. Come on, John. I need some more movies from you, as all your efforts are super mondo. And last, we have Lynn Ramsey. She has made four movies since 1999. That is not enough, especially when you consider those four movies are Ratcatcher from 1999, which is Mondo. Morvern Collar, starring Samantha Morton from 2002, which is Mondo. We need to talk about Kevin, starring the mesmerizing Tilda Swinton from 2011, which is Mondo. And then six years later, we got 2017's You Were Never Really Here, starring Joaquin Phoenix, which was super mondo. Once again, I'm begging Lynn Ramsey, Jonathan Glazer, and Sean Durkin to make more movies. They've made nine movies in a combined 50 years. An average of a movie every five plus years is not enough. My rage may be selfish this week, but I just want talented filmmakers to stay busier. Not to just spoil anything, but... Usually your uh, rages are selfish. So, you know, I just thought I should remind people of that. Yeah, we're used to it. Yeah, they're probably used to it. So here's a question, though. I, yep. get your, I get your rage. Believe me, I do. But have you noticed with your buddy, Sean Durkin, mm-hmm. that not only is he a 
talented director, but he's also oh, he's, a he's writer. Pro- he's a writer, and he's produced a crap load of things. And yeah, he, so he's, he's got he's doing a lot. I just want him to direct more because his two efforts are awesome. Like not good. Awesome. One is very awesome. I agree. The other one is pretty good. It's actually a pretty high me. Yeah, but whatever. so you know, I guess the thing is, maybe it takes him time to do the proper writing to get to where he needs to be. And obviously, maybe he's other. Nah, pre- he, he writes a lot of stuff and gives it to like other people. I would just wish he'd like take the. Bold- Did- obviously, you know, unless it's like really special to him, he doesn't bother. Which I wish he would just make more. I see your point. That we want to have good directors make good films. Like, yeah. Whereas, where's Ogden? He's written. Where's Ogden Jenkins' next film? Yeah. I've been waiting for that since what last year. There you go. <laughs> I want one every year from him. Not asking for every year, but every Rage. couple be good. Bring the chill, Mer. Bring the chill. I'm all about that. All right, Hollywood seems to love nothing better than doing reboots and remakes these days. I guess they figured that the fans of the original were bound to see the new one, even if only out of curiosity. But every movie remake is always compared to the film that came before it. Most of the time, it goes horribly wrong. Sometimes. Most times. First up, we have Carrie. Carrie is a timeless horror film. Uh, Over the years, it has had a sequel a TV movie, and a 2013 remake. While the 2013 one wasn't terrible, it just didn't capture the thrill of the original. They're all going to laugh at you. Chloe Grace Moretz and Julianne Moore gave it their all, but it just wasn't enough to save the movie. This sounds like a rage to me, Murray. Uh, It kind of is. All right, I love it. King himself heard that Carrie was getting a remake, he said, why? The original was so good. Yep. Next up, we have The Longest Yard. <laughs> I know, a football movie, but it's not football, you bet. really. The original starred Burt Reynolds and a bunch of... And former, Jaws. And a bunch of former NFL players. Yep. And Jaws was in it. And it was awesome. The yep. tough comedy is termed as both entertainment and social criticism. Yep. The 2005 remake loses all of the bite of the original... Starting with the casting of Adam Sandler. Oh, perfect casting. Too bad the script wasn't good. Adam Sandler, enough said. Even Adam Sandler couldn't make that script work. Next up, we have Point Break. Point Break 2015 was the remake. Now, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, two awesome guys, starred in the original. A wildly absurd 90s crime film that's as outrageous as it is entertaining. Yeah, I've watched it's it It's the again. type of movie that's best left as it is. Silly, bizarre gem in Reeves and Swayze's acting careers. We didn't need another Ugh. Pope. We didn't need another one. No, so we it didn't. wasn't surprising that the remake was described by critics as pointless. Poopy. Pointless break. Pointless poopy. Next up, we have Without Get, Keanu, it's not Get Carter, which I didn't know there actually was an original. What? There was a second Get Carter? There was an original. Ugh, fuck me. The original was 1971. Michael Caine. I've seen as a both. London gangster who plans to avenge his brother. Uh, fast forward 30 years, it's and Carter is now a Vegas mobster played by Sylvester Stallone. It was okay. Say what? The reimagining just didn't work at all. Ah, Your love of Sylvester Stallone is demented. Met with negative reviews, and it earned a Razzie nomination for worst remake or sequel. Eh, hi, man. Yeah. You're, you're mentally challenged. Then we have Psycho. 
Oh god. A movie is remade because a filmmaker has a fresh take on the story. It's not the case with Psycho. Alfred Hitchcock's thriller is an iconic piece of theater. So what better way to honor it than copy it shot for, for shot. shot? And oh, put it in color. That, w- that was the point. <laughs> the only difference was he put it in color. He could have written a new and oh, God, don't even start it. Gus Van Sant was making a statement. Yeah, he was a doing bad something. Statement. Anyway, it was neither critical or commercial success. Gus Van Sant. Good, good reminder that attempting to recreate a masterpiece won't result in another masterpiece. Gus exactly. Van Sant would support your rage, by the way. This was the point of him doing this. There you, well, there you go. That doesn't and make sense. And lastly, we have Ben-Hur. <gasps> Ben-Hur? It was a game changer for historical epic genre. At the time, it had the biggest budget and largest set of any film ever made. I didn't even know they made a remake I of forgot it. about it. MGM <laughs> reaped huge rewards and basically saved the company from financial disaster. In addition, it won 11 Academy Awards. It's got the most impressive chariot race in cinematic history. How could it, the remake possibly live up? Well, it didn't. No. 2016 version directed by... Teamer Bekmabetov, something like that. that is, isn't able to match the spectacle Bek- of the original. Bet-off? It has a lack of cohesion, and the chariot race scene is just too much CGI and special effects. No yeah. wonder it was a box office bomb. I saw it. Well, I'm glad for you. That's all I got. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was not good. <laughs> Ooh. I have a feeling you've got someone you want to put forward this week, bitch. I don't. Oh, well. <laughs> you just seem so excited about this week. Normally you're like, whatever. Like, whatever. Okay, yes, I no, I don't. I don't I'm not. Because they don't have it. eight. Give me a second. No, I'm not waiting for you. No, you go ahead. No. Just, just... If you're ready by the time I get there, you can, but you still have to be Yeah, you still have to be aware. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm putting forward somebody that um I've been put, wanting to put on for a while. And that's Michael Stuhlberg. You guys know Michael Stuhlberg? No idea. He is, uh, I'm going to start from 2015. Okay. What is he? Miles, let me show you a picture of him, Mer. Well, no, what does he do? He's an actor. Okay. Hold on. Just a minute. I want you to be aware of who he is. List the movies, I'm sure I'll remember. Uh, it'll come to you. All right, so 2015, he was in Miles Ahead, which for me was a meh. What was Miles Ahead? Never heard of it. You can't, well, if you don't know it, then you can't just put a question mark. All right. 2016 is Arrival, which was a Mondo. Mondo. 2016 was Doctor Strange, which was a Mondo. Mondo, I guess. Yeah, you've already said that before, so it still is. Uh, 2016 was Miss Sloan, which was a Mondo for me. 2017 meh. was... Okay, so it's a man. Okay. Uh, 2017 was Call Me By Your Name, which was a Mondo, Mondo. for me. Uh, 2017 was The Shape of Water, which was a Mondo. Mondo. 2017 was The Post, which was a meh for me. I guess it was a meh. It was a low meh. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I agree. It wasn't great, but it was still a meh. And then his 2020 film is called Shirley, which I have not seen. I have not seen it. So you have two movies to see unless you can remember Miles Ahead. Miles Ahead. We have to see Shirley if he's going to make it on because so far everything was Murray was. uh, I've seen like two of them. 
And yeah, I have no idea who. There was no, there was no rages in there for you though, right? No, not really. Okay, I'm gonna show you a picture of him. Yeah, I'm not recognizing him. He's picking some good stuff. Sure. All right. He's awesome. So we got two films to see. We've got Shirley. Surely we have to watch Shirley. And then you might have to see Miles Ahead. You'll have to go back and check it out. So it's a it's impossible. Um Yeah, it is. Okay, what you got? Did you get it did you well, get it together? I mean I've got it on a doubted, but I, I don't think you've seen Enough? Enough. Because it's uh, all stuff from the twenties. That would probably be a hard no, but yeah. But I think uh, instead of making him put it, because I've I've seen I've I've seen. Is it? It can't be a director. Then you're talking about an actor. I'm talking about an actor. Okay, what's his name? His name is Lon Chaney. Oh God! <laughs> so at the very least, he's mesmerized. Yeah. At the very most, uh, if you've seen. Well, I've seen a lot of his movies, but I don't know if I've seen a lot of his later movies. Well, his last movie was in 1930 because he really didn't want to be in the Yeah, The Unholy Three. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Thunder. I haven't seen Thunder. Yeah, so. Where East, I'm not a big fan of the 20s and 30s films. Yeah. But is he mesmerized? Oh, totally. He's mesmerized. I think he goes on that list. Yeah, I would agree. Perfect. He's definitely mesmerizing. Murray, sure. do you have any complaints about Lon Chaney? What about Junior? Junior. <laughs> <laughs> Does Junior deserve a shout in there, too? Should we make no. Papa. Papa's. Papa Jr.? No. No. I saw the original Phantom of the Opera by Lon Chaney. As did I. <laughs> I've seen it many times. Yeah. And who gets slapped? I've seen that. He who gets slapped. All right. So we got a mesmerized. All right. I'm going to give you one more mesmerized. All right. I'm dropping William H. Macy. Uh, mesmerized? Absolutely. I we already had him. Nope. Sure. Perfect. That was easy. Yeah, it was really easy. All right. Well, that's what we got for this week. We've got to save some for our special next week's. Right, we won't have one for a couple weeks because we're doing Sif. We are doing Sif. Man, yeah. the, and this is an extra long episode. Man, this is going to be long when we're yeah, done. No kidding. <laughs> this one in particular? Yeah. Yeah, the Rager Dare may last. Well, we're, we're pushing well, an actually, hour already. Yeah, we, before we do go into it, Murray, do. Uh, do the intro here, but we've got some changes to the rules. So maybe I'll put that out there first. So we reached out to a lot of you online. And before uh, we had not some consistency in how many times we were choosing enough dare. So we went out to the web and we got a shitload of dares from you listeners. So thank you all who helped out. So we now have a dare bag that you guys on the interweb are daring us to see. So when we come back uh, after the break, the SIF break, we will have a brand new Rager Dare list. Which isn't a break at all. No, it's not a break. You guys will still be listening, but we're not going to be talking about our usual stuff. We're just talking about SIF. All right. Pass the ball, Mer. All right. Last time on Rager Dare, the boys pulled out uh, the cinematic and theatrical marvel of modern times, and they pulled Phantom of the Opera and learned how fantastic the majesty and spectacle of opera can really be. And Bryce will have to eagerly dive into the cesspool of Jim's bag to find the treasure he buried there and save it for a couple of weeks until we are back from Sip. Check with the boys and see if the voice of the angel Gerard Butler wins their love for this fantastic opera. Will they wish a giant chandelier dropped on their heads? 
causing them to never hear again. Check in with Bryce first to see him sing his tune of passion. Either way. All right. 1925's The Phantom of the Opera was a great film. Of the silent era movies, it was one of the standouts. The portrayal of The Phantom by Lon Chaney, along with the way ahead of its time uh, the makeup effects were, was a cinematic triumph. Lon Chaney embodied the inner turmoil of The Phantom as he pines for the young diva Christine, and his representation will always be the standard to which all other portrayals should aspire to be. The set design and the grand scope of the entire production was something to behold. The reveal of the Phantom's face is one of the greatest reveals in cinematic history. I love this film, and I don't understand why this is on the Rager Dare segment. This movie was Mondo. Yeah, that's not what we were supposed to watch. Oh, this wasn't the production we of Phantom of the Opera? We were supposed to see 2004. Well, the 1943 The Phantom of the Opera from the nope. Universal Classic Monster Movies was not as good as the original. It still had some decent performances. Let's face it. It couldn't be as good as the original, no matter how hard it tried. So it took The Phantom in a different direction. There was humor sprinkled throughout the film, with Nelson Eddy as a debonair baritone and Edgar Barrier as the police inspector, playing off each other for laughs in their pursuit for the beautiful diva Christine. Oh, and by the way, this movie was way ahead of its time, as it's obvious to anybody watching that by the end of the movie, these two have definitely fallen for each other. The inspector and the baritone decide to go out for what I think we can apply, imply is a romantic dinner. I agree. With each other, without Christine, and I'm pretty sure we can infer what would naturally occur after said dinner. Greenwich Village. Pretty sure these two gentlemen would be making some sweet, sweet love to each other by the end of the night. But I guess we'll never know for sure because the movie ends with them deciding to go out for a bite with each other. We will never know for sure, but come on. We know. We know. So bravo to the producers for showing two obviously gay men on the silver screen in 1943. Now back to the portrayal of the Phantom. Claude Rains was competent as the Phantom, but as mentioned, he paled in comparison to the definitive portrayal by Lon Chaney. Overall, while I really enjoyed this ambitious project, it suffers from the fact that it just can't compare to the original. But once again, why was this on the Rage or Dare segment? It was a high meh. Um, that wasn't the year one we were supposed to watch. Oh, wait, this was not the version I was supposed to watch either? No. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. I got it. Wait, I did got you, it. how many versions did you watch? In 1989, we got the version I'm sure many were waiting for, a more graphic and bloody version of The Phantom of the Opera, starring Robert Englund as our masked friend. This time we got blood and violence and time travel. What? <laughs> yeah. Christine passes out and wakes up in the past life in the 19th in 19th century London. This version was actually a lot of fun. Robert England's portrayal of the Phantom was campy but quite good. I hear they cut the film to avoid an R rating. That is kind of annoying because if you're going to make a slasher version of the Phantom of the Opera with feel, Robert England. With Robert England, I feel you should be pushing the gore as far as you can. Uh-huh. So that it stands out from many other versions of this story. Still, it was an original take on the tale and I enjoyed it. I did not understand why this was on the Rager Dare segment, as this was another high meh. Wait, 
This wasn't the version I was supposed to watch. No, no, this isn't the one. What? How many other ones did you watch? Just a second. You wanted me to watch the Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom from 2004? 2004. Directed by Joel Schumacher? Yeah, Joel Schumacher. He's great. Oh, I get it now. This version definitely makes more sense. Um, (laughs) It's part of the Rage or Dare segment. (laughs) Yeah, you were raged to do that. Okay, here's what I thought of that version. I watched the Phantom. It was not good. The music sucked hard, as hard as wood. Overcome with boredom, I suffered through. The Phantom of the Opera was odorous, just like a poo. Gerard Butler, you cannot sing. Your portrayal of the Phantom was offending. Why are you young and handsome who cast this thing? The Phantom of the Opera should be old and withering. Joel Schumacher, how bored were you? To make this excrement, to see it through, what were you thinking? Instead of you should have made falling down, falling down part two. <laughs> the phantom of the opera will always be tied to you. Now, in conclusion, <laughs> this movie sucked. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Why didn't you just stop? Stop writing musicals. Stop writing songs. The Phantom of the Opera was a rage. But I will rage on. This was awful. I fell asleep halfway through it. What? No singing? Just like I did in the live production. Only this time I had to go back and watch the part that I fell asleep in. Shame on you, Joel Schumacher, for recreating this bad stage production into a bad movie. Andrew Lloyd Webber offends my ears. Hard, hard rage. Yeah, this may be a two-hour episode. Wow. First off, wow. You are a better singer than Gerard Butler. I disagree. Who isn't? Wow. I almost feel like I was watching The Wizard of Oz for the first time. Wow. Changes to color out of black and white? See, Bryce? Color is better. As soon as the color came in, it gave that terrible black and white filter they were using a real facelift. Wink, wink. I think I love operas now. How could I ever have not fallen in love with this genre of film? The pageantry, the majesty. Ah. Phantom of the opera is there inside my mind. The phantom of the up was there inside your mind. Yes. And it's never going to leave. Can we sing the whole opera right now? I mean, you kind of did with your rage, but can we just, you know, go through the whole thing? You know, that song was pretty much the same song done a little differently that kind of sounded like everything Andrew Lloyd Webber ever does. I could, could not identify with anyone in this play, opera, musical, film? Well, maybe two people. 
the two cleaning ladies who were always trying to plug their ears at the beginning of the movie? Was that foreshadowing? <laughs> Should I have heeded this? Yes. Or what was the deal? Ah, then I understood. I'm confused, though. The diva was singing Italian, but then when she got replaced by her understudy, she was now singing English. Crazy. What just happened? 1870 Paris? Musical? Opera? Love story? Unless this starred Keanu Reeves, Lupita Nyong'o, Tom Hardy, and Hilary Swank, this movie with this plot theme did not stand a hope in hell of me even liking it a bit. Although, must say, funny to use the word hell, what a great segue. Music, barf, acting, puke, story, boring, predictable, and vomitous. Gerard Butler, well, here I have to take a little bit of a break. Is there a reason we have another actor playing a part of a person who's supposed to be able to sing? Is there not an actual singer working these days that could have played this part? Let me just list a few of the actors who are actual singers who act. This could have had Sting or David Bowie or Mick Jagger or Justin Timberlake or Kenny Lenny Kravitz, Tom Waits, Harry Connick Jr., CGI Elvis, and finally CGI Michael Jackson. Mick Jagger but no. I know. Or Michael Jackson. Wouldn't it have been great Mick to Jagger. see Mick Jagger or Michael Jackson CGI'd into this movie? No. Yes, it would have. Or at the very least, well, plus probably they didn't ask these people. I'm sure they didn't. They all probably said, ugh, no way. I would not want to ruin my career on this. And if we thought Gerard Butler could not sing listening to Sienna Hines, Syrian Sy- Sy- Hines sing, was enough to make me never want to see him again in anything. And I actually love him as an actor. Mm. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. The entire movie was an experiment in sadistic torture. Perhaps it's because I've seen this story told so many times before. Or perhaps individually, I despise each of these genres. But combined, the torture seemed even more sadistic. Has everyone here seen The Princess Bride? I'm assuming we have. Mm -hmm. I feel that I just spent two hours and 20 minutes strapped to the machine in the pit of despair, cranked up to 100, (laughs) for an entire two hours and 20 minutes, minus the 30 seconds where I got to meet the cleaning ladies and watch them plug their ears. That was hilarious. I did like one thing in this movie other than them, the monkey-loving devil child murder spree. Why could they have not made a movie just about that? Rage. Torturous rage. Last question I pose. Did no one in the world at that time have a bow and arrow? You'd think so. Yeah. That's all I have. Yeah. The, you know, there's so much that bothered me about this movie. The, the main thing is, nah, it's, it's not the greatest source material to begin with, but really Lon Chaney did so much with it. And he made a really good movie. And how is a movie from 1925 better than a movie? Better from than every other effort since. And there's been more than the three. I pose Nosferatu. Yeah, I mean, how many vampire movies are better than Nosferatu? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any actually. But. Murray's a vampire fan. What's your favorite vampire movie? I'm not getting into that right now. No. Okay. He doesn't want to talk about his favorite vampire movie. There you go. All right. Well, you've got to pick something for when we come back. Do I got to do that now? Yeah, you do. 
And uh, I can pick from the, the new bag that's mm, available. You can take a dare if you want. So that's the dare bag. Yep. Our, our adoring public bag. Is that bag. what you're going to do? I think it's He's new taking... and shiny. I think I pretty much got to. Well, it's going to, it could potentially have something that you actually like. Ooh. But there is a lot of bad in there, so be prepared. Ah! <laughs> They're flying everywhere. All right. I don't even know what this is. What is it? It's called Food Fight. Yes. Murray, have you seen Food Fight? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Food uh, Fight. Tell me about Food Fight, Jim. It sounds uh 2011. Delightful. All right. It stars Hilary Duff. I'm already Haley, in. Haley Duff. Cool. Charlie Sheen. Eva Longoria. I get double, double the Duff. Wayne Brady. Christopher Lloyd. But it's a cartoon. So, you it's a cartoon about food fights, maybe? It's a cartoon? I thought we didn't have cartoons in this. I don't know. I think we don't normally rage about cartoons. No, yeah, but that was one of did the we? things. Yeah. Was it? Was it what, did we make that it was, a rule? That was a rule. We couldn't put a cartoon in there. Otherwise, it's going to get out of hand. There oh. you go. We, we I'm didn't. sorry to whoever uh, submitted food fight. but uh, There we go. We didn't put it in. Someone else did. Yeah, yeah. someone did. Dare us. That's why I apologize. But I do have to choose something I else. don't think there's any many other cartoons in here. I get to watch a movie that I know I already like. Oh, no. <laughs> what is it? It's Phone Booth. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Colin Farrell, right? Yep. It's, that's the one. I remember liking it. I'm yeah. going to watch it again. I'll let Perhaps you know. Perhaps you might not. All right. All right. Well, we're going to be talking to you guys on Saturday, I guess, with our first sip of full episode yeah look for us uh saturday in the afternoon we'll have uh the review of the first two days of sif uh we're gonna end up seeing probably about uh, four five six movies i don't know check in and find out you got it it'd be a surprise well thanks ragers for listening thanks extended film rage crew of leonard collin for his artistic vision and photography via leonard collin photography listen to us on podbean apple podcast google play tune in stitcher iHeartRadio. Bramble, Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Check out our website at filmrageyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback to make this a raging blast for all listeners, so please comment often. Special thanks to all of our ragers who gave us some new dare bag. We're so excited. So you're going to make us rage. Make sure to check us out this Saturday when we have our first two days of SIF. I'm just reminding you again. Until then, rage on. Rage on.